Welcome to episode 44 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Well, two weeks ago, episode 42 was focused around challenging the idea that women are more emotional than men. We also explored the sexism left over from the hysterical woman label. We talked about microaggressions and how emotions are God-given and some action steps after that. For context for today's episode, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that episode first. And also, there was an episode last week, episode 43, which was about why emotions contain important information that we should listen to. So that's also a good one to listen to before this one, episodes 42 and 43, for some context. All of those episodes lead us to where we are going today, what we're going to talk about. And that is discussing how emotions are a form of resistance to patriarchy. If that sounds crazy, stick with me. (laughs) This episode is highly influenced by the brilliant Elena Aguilar, whose book, Coaching for Equity, is actually slowly changing my life, personal and professionally. Highly recommend if you are in any type of coaching situation in the school system. Now, I also want to note before we get started that I am not a mental health professional by any means. If you do have mental health needs, please consult a mental health professional. I am merely sharing today research and ideas, but if you need additional help, 100% support therapy is great. Please find the resources you need. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, Millennial. Welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate Creator, and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Let's start this episode by explaining why we need to be acknowledging, processing, and expressing our emotions in a healthy way. Why is that actually important? And this is going to lay the groundwork for why suppressing them, suppressing our emotions, is actually a tool of oppressors, especially in a society that is patriarchal, like ours. And all of this, again, is going to be referencing the work of Elena Aguilar. But before we get there, I want to start with a Time Magazine article that was written by Hilary Jacobs Hindle. And she is a licensed clinical social worker, she's a psychoanalyst, and she's an emotions educator. So she says in her article, quote, emotions have energy that pushes up for expression, and to tamp them down, our minds and bodies use creative tactics, including muscular constriction and holding our breath. Symptoms like anxiety and depression which are on the rise in the United States, can stem from the way we deal with these underlying, automatic, hardwired survival emotions, 
which are biological forces that should not be ignored. When the mind thwarts the flow of emotions because they are too overwhelming or too conflicting, it puts stress on the mind and the body, creating psychological distress and symptoms. Emotional stress, like that from blocked emotions, has not only been linked to mental ills, but also to physical problems like heart disease, intestinal problems, headaches, insomnia, and autoimmune disorders. End quote. Yikes. So emotional stress is something to take seriously. Look at the consequences when we have to suppress our emotions. And as a reminder, if you do struggle in this area, a mental health professional is a great resource. Professional counseling has helped me through many crises and mental health conditions, and I highly recommend seeking that out as needed or as desired. But for our purposes today, I wanted to share this article because I want to emphasize that emotions are important. Emotional awareness is important. Learning to express emotions in a healthy way is important. And it's so important that we don't discount the emotional stress that is caused by living in a patriarchal society. When we experience microaggressions on a regular basis, it can lead to this type of emotional stress, especially if we're expected to suppress that emotion. And this can be really heightened for women of color who might be experiencing sexism, racism, and even more. Over time, this can take a toll on us. For me as a white woman, I tend to have one of two responses to microaggressions. So microaggression happens. What's my response? Usually, I get really, really, really mad. (laughs) Or I stuff it down and pretend it doesn't matter. Because in the moment, I can't express the emotion, which can happen in the professional workplace. But with either response, I don't usually say anything to the person who did the microaggression in the moment. And sometimes I can't even do it later, depending on the safety of the situation. But in the moment when it happens, what happens for me is that I am flooded usually with so many emotions and I'm not able to think on my feet, which is something I struggle with anyways, (laughs) just being honest, but I'm not able to actually formulate a response the way that I want to because I'm being flooded with emotions. And that's legitimate because something that is emotionally stressful and discriminatory has just happened to me. And that's a normal response. And later, usually, when I have more time to process it, I think of the response that I actually wanted to do in the moment, but I think about it later, and then I'll vent to my husband or my best friend and be like, oh, I wish I had said this. But that is a topic for another podcast. (laughs) Today, I want to address the idea that when we repress our emotions, in the long run, okay, sometimes we have to do it in the moment, but when we repress them in the long run, It is playing into the hands of patriarchy. And I did not come up with this idea. I learned this from Elena Aguilar, again, in her book, Coaching for Equity. So let's get into how she describes repressing emotions as a tool of the oppressor. Now, she only spends a couple of pages in her book addressing this idea, and it's in chapter seven if you have the book and want to check it out. But man, 
even though it's just a couple of pages, those were really eye-opening for me. So I thought I'd share some of her quotes today and kind of develop through some of her ideas. And then after we do that, we'll kind of apply these ideas to Christianity in the church. So she says in her book, quote, accepting and embracing emotions is an act of political resistance. To do so is to reject systems of oppression that intentionally, by design, seek to dehumanize and subjugate us. They seek to sever the relationships we have with our bodies, minds, and hearts. I think we've got to pause for just a second to let that idea soak in. When I hear this, my mind automatically goes to the college classes that I took in history as a history major and the courses and the subject matter that I taught as a history teacher. And one particular example stands out because it is such a horrible, tragic example in the Holocaust. I did study in college, though I'm not an expert. And I, it comes to mind the way that the Nazis systematically dehumanized Jewish people. The Nazis practiced, among many horrible things, that Jewish emotions didn't matter. That their pain and suffering didn't matter. And this was intentionally meant to dehumanize. My mind also goes to the hysterical woman that I mentioned in episode 42, that her emotions were too much, they're too confusing, they're incomprehensible to men. So she suffered at the hands of men in power, men like doctors and husbands, who had more societal and economic and political power than she did, about how she was treated. And in her book, Aguilar actually goes into the roots of patriarchy in the United States, and she traces them back to ancient Greece. The ancient Greeks actually believed that emotions were for women, and therefore emotions were weak. The idea of reason and logic, that took precedence. It was an either-or instead of a both-and, either logic or emotion, instead of both logic and emotion. I learned from Beth Allison Barr in her book, The Making of Biblical Womanhood, which is also a good book. I learned there that Aristotle taught that women's bodies were actually deformed versions of men's bodies. And I mean, sure, he thought we were useful for procreation, but there was kind of this prevailing idea that among these ancient thinkers, that there was actually something wrong and weak about women. And the snarky side of me, when I hear that, that women are, you know, weak, I would like to see Aristotle, you know, try birthing another human before calling me weak. But back to the topic at hand, this is, this is patriarchy. This is the roots. This is where a lot of our influence came from for how our society and government are structured. And this idea that something is wrong with women that disqualifies them and requires the superior logic and reason of a man. Never mind that men have emotions too and also have to suppress them. Because remember, patriarchy hurts everyone. 
It hurts men and women. Aguilar continues her point in tracing the history of of patriarchy, and she says that as Europe became more powerful and, and conquered and colonized other nations and regions, those nations and regions that they conquered, some of them were egalitarian. As Europe took over, they spread this idea of male and white supremacy as the natural order of things. Which leads into what is, in my opinion, Aguilar's most powerful section on this topic. She says, quote, In order for a system of oppression to effectively dominate, it must create and disseminate values that become invisible to those who are subjugated. The oppressed must unconsciously adopt these values, norms, and codes and act on them as if they were natural. We, the oppressed, must internalize the rules of the oppressors and believe them. We need to believe that boys shouldn't cry, that men should be stoic, that women can't show anger, that we shouldn't be afraid, and that girls should put on a happy face. We then regulate ourselves and uphold the system of oppression without being aware that that's what we're doing. Patriarchy has maintained its power in part because it vilifies emotions. When we reject and suppress emotions, we are cut off from what it means to be human. I'm going to just let that sink in for a moment. Remember that we are made in the likeness and image of God. God has emotions. So when we cut off or suppress or reject emotions as weak, as unhelpful, as less than in some way, we are rejecting part of what it means to be an image bearer of God. And going to her broader point, We are so used to swimming in the waters of patriarchy that we can't only not see it, but we actively help uphold it. For white people especially, this is also true of racism. White privilege blinds us and it's our responsibility to wake up, to see it, and to fight against it, to make change. Because it harms our brothers and sisters of color. And patriarchy harms everyone, men and women. So what if we just stopped upholding patriarchy? What if we started by by no longer vilifying emotions? What if we use them instead as helpful information, like we talked about last episode, and use them for information and learn from them? What if we actually saw them as an opportunity to draw closer to God? as we can see David so often did in the Psalms. He was highly emotional in the Psalms. And what if logic and pure reason is not actually the best way to wisdom and insight? What if we actually need a combination of logic, reason, and emotion, and all of those are viewed as important? Not letting one rule over the other or cancel out the others, but treating both as important. Now, this is kind of a silly example, (laughs) 
<laughs> but for me, I think it does prove a point. Hopefully you can see where I'm going with this. But my husband and I have been watching Survivor a lot ever since my daughter was born last year. And we have watched a lot of seasons because who knew Survivor has actually been on TV for like a crazy amount of time, like 20 years or maybe longer. And after all of the seasons that we have watched, there is a noticeable pattern in who actually gets the farthest, typically, as in which survivors are closest to winning the million dollars. And remember, this is a social game. It's also a physical game. It's a logical game. And who tends to win this game? Well, it's not usually the people who are purely logical without understanding human emotion. It's actually usually the people who have emotional intelligence or emotional connections with other people and the ability to reason and make logical moves. It's that combination that allows people to get pretty far. Or sometimes one person who's more logical and one person who's more emotionally intelligent kind of get together and make it really far. But all that to say, I think that this shows us in a very small and kind of silly way that we need both, that both are useful in navigating and moving through this world. Companies, employers that don't acknowledge human emotions, they tend to have unhappy employees. And we often see the American workplace, it's, it's lauded as this place where we're meant to be productive, to work, to not let life or humanity get in the way, but we've got to produce and do our job and perform, right? And what if when we work in places like this, that's actually also a form of patriarchy? A place where emotion is not welcome and it doesn't factor into decision-making. A place where white men are able to express certain emotions like anger, but the same emotion is not acceptable for women, especially a woman of color. Bringing this to the church. Where are we blind to the patriarchy in our own churches? Where is emotion suppressed or viewed as less than? by the church? Where do we see our pastors overworked, underpaid, tired, lonely, sad, but unable to be honest about that, expected to just put on a happy face at church and pretend that nothing is wrong or hard? Where do we see women in the church unable to express their anger and frustration with church leadership? Where do we see them fearing being dismissed or having their story or questions or concerns being used to make a point in a sermon or perhaps only being listened to and taken seriously when their husbands are in the room? And you, what pain are you walking with today, my friend? What unacknowledged suffering burdens you, weighs on your shoulder, expends your energy, drip by exhausting drip? What are you unable to express or even bring before God? What if some of this burden comes from just living in a society that is patriarchal day in and day out? But suppressing this pain, that's not what scripture talks about. I know that people have told you to just take it like a happy little Christian. 
but I don't believe that the Bible is actually shy about pain and suffering. I don't believe that acknowledging our pain and suffering or expressing it in healthy ways is wrong. In fact, suppressing pain is what often leads to outbursts that can damage relationships or damage ourselves. Can build up and build up and build up until it doesn't have anywhere to go and has to be expressed in another way. I think that anytime we learn about psychology and how God has designed us, that we have to remember that that is how God has designed us. There is nothing inherently wrong with needing to process your emotions, with needing to explore them and understand them and see what they have to tell you. God can speak through our emotions. God can use our emotions. God is unlimited in how he can use anything, including emotions. And that emotion, don't forget, is God-given. It's part of who we are as image bearers of God. We can see God's emotion throughout the Bible. And we can also see the emotions of humans, of people that God used, of people God loved throughout the Bible. We can read David in the Psalms. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. We can learn and read about our foremothers. Hannah, who was anguished before the Lord with the pain of infertility. Naomi, who was bitter and wore it openly enough to rename herself. The woman who bled for years, desperate for Jesus' healing. The grieving widow whose son died and Elijah raised back to life. Mary Magdalene, who proclaimed the truth of the resurrection, even when the male disciples would not believe her. Mary, the mother of Jesus, whose joy at the miraculous baby in her womb led her to rejoice in one of the most beautiful poems, in my opinion, in scripture, the Magnificat. And the woman in Song of Solomon, whose joy and passion for her lover overflowed into gorgeous poetry that teaches explicitly the goodness of intimacy and sex. We can read about Jesus, who wept, who had compassion, who had zeal, who loved, who grieved, who experienced rejection, anger, betrayal, temptation, pain. Jesus, our Savior, experienced emotions. To close for us today, I thought we would look at Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, which is the Magnificat that I just mentioned. It is Mary's song of joy and worship and praise to the Lord when she is with her cousin Elizabeth. Verse 46, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to all who fear Him, from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. 
He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. If you have time this week, I would recommend looking back at the Magnificat. It is amazing the insight that Mary has into the character of God. God, the one who brings down rulers from their thrones while lifting up the humble. God, who has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. The one who has a different sense of what is important than humans do. God, who has all of the wisdom and cares for us more intimately than we could possibly imagine. Let's end in prayer. God, thank you so much that you care for your people, that you love them, that you have given us beautiful emotions. Some of these emotions are hard and burdensome, and they are hard for us to express and process, but I pray that we would take the time to do so in your presence, partnering with you in that process. I pray that we would see this as a way to resist the messages of society and patriarchy that tell us that we aren't to have these types of emotions, that we just need to suck it up and deal with it. I pray that we would feel your empathy and compassion, that we would see how much you love us, that we would seek additional help as needed. And I pray, God, that you would work in the minds and hearts of every single woman who is listening. Help us to wake up to your reality and walk away and leave behind all of the patriarchy we can barely see. Let us see it, name it, and listen to you for the wisdom on how to resist it. In small ways, in big ways, in personal ways, in communal ways. Let us advocate for change. Let us go through the process you want us to go through. Develop us, Lord. Change us. Grow us. Thank you that you are so merciful, so patient, and so kind with us in the process. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.